Hello and welcome to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. Conversations with inspiring business people throughout the three counties of Herefordshire, Worcestershire and Gloucestershire. And now it's time for today's episode. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, hello and welcome to this episode of the Thriving Three Counties podcast. I'm Dan Barker and I'm here in the studio with today's guest. He's based in Hereford, he's an SEO expert and if you've been on any kind of networking call in the last two years you would definitely recognise his face I would imagine and his um, props, particularly the the tickling stick which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. (laughs) Um, He is Graham Bayliss. Hi Graham, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you, Dan. Thank you for inviting me to this this podcast. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, great. No, it's a pleasure. I'm glad you could make it, and thanks for coming along, because uh, I know you're a busy man, and uh, particularly had a long day yesterday. So <laughs> Yes, it was a long day at the exhibition yesterday, indeed, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate you coming in. Uh, just before we get started, then, your website is serendipityonlinemarketing.co.uk, which you can get to more easily with somlimited.co.uk. Yeah, yeah somltd.co.uk is the easy way of getting into it, yeah. Yeah, okay, if people want to come find you, and they can find you on LinkedIn and uh, and get in touch and uh, find out more about what you do. Yeah, even if yep. you search Graham Bayliss with one S on Google, you'll find me, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, pretty, pretty, pretty good that way. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Okay, well, as, as I suppose it should be. <laughs> be a bit disappointing if we can. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. Excellent. Um, you're based her- in Hereford or just, are you just, just outside? Just outside in the little village called Eaton Bishop. Okay, right. Yeah. Okay. Is that to the north of Hereford? It's it's right? actually uh, east of Hereford. East, no, okay. Uh, oh, hang on, tell you. yeah, yeah. No, no, actually west of, west of Hereford, Terry. <laughs> west of Hereford towards Hay-on-Wye. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, nice. Cool, and uh, have you always been based there? Is that where you grew up? Or No, no, I, I was born in London. Oh, yeah. Way back in, in 1957, giving away ages, <laughs> um, and then moved to Kent when I was seven. Yeah. And then up to Liverpool, oh, well, the Wirral, in, okay. when I was 13. And I was there for, for many years, and that's when okay. I started my employment history, before moving to Peterborough oh, area. Right. Finally to Inkbarrow, okay, and then to Cleve Mortimer, and then in two thousand eight, <laughs> off to um, good old Eaton Bishop. Okay, so so what what took you around so much, especially in your young years? Was that um, parents' uh, yeah, jobs the, and things? Yeah, or? the younger years. We, when we were in London, we were actually living in my in my um, grandfather's house, right, in in Clapham Clapham Common. Okay. You know. I was there just recently. Ah, see, <laughs> and he lived in a big old Victorian house, um, and we we rented the the bottom floor from him. And then my right. my, my, my mother's sister was in the middle floor, okay. and the grandfather and his missus um, were in the top floor. Okay, and we were there for the first seven years of my life until mm. my dad got enough money to buy a house. Okay. But you couldn't, but even then, people couldn't afford a house in London, you know, yeah. back in back in 1966 time. Yeah. 64, 66. So we, he had to go all the way out to Hearn Bay in Kent. Mm-hmm. So we could travel uh, on the railway line there. An hour and a half each way he did <laughs> um, there um, every day um, yeah. to get to work in, in London because he was a civil servant. Right, okay. Um, and then the civil service, they had a uh, disbursement system right. back in the 70s when they were trying to get 
uh, civil servants out of London into the provinces, you know, as a part of boost the provinces, a bit like levelling up in, the, <laughs> in, <laughs> in current terms uh, for jobs. So he was sent to Liverpool. Right. Okay. He actually worked for a charity commission and half of it was sent to Liverpool. So, of course, he had to move up there. So we mm -hmm. moved into a town called Heswell, mm -hmm. which is on the... Um, um, the, the, the bottom side of, of the Wirral, on the D. Right. Um, and we were there from 1970, you know, till I moved, when I got married to, moved locally in 1980, 1980, yeah. Right, okay, that must have been quite a big shift, like quite a big change in, you know, culture and everything from London up to... Well, I was, I've only been in London until I was like, you know, seven, so I don't remember an awful lot about it, but I do mm. remember it was very, very multicultural even then. Mm. Um, Home Bay was, you know, just a nice, uh, you know, country country town and the air down yeah. there at the time. So sweet. Right, yeah. Because yeah, cars, were, obviously there was cars about, but nothing like the number we've got today. Yeah. And it was really sweet air. Right. Okay. Um but I didn't like the school I ended up in in Canterbury when I was, uh, you know, when I got me 11 plus. Mm. It's a technical high school. I just didn't get on with the, the school or the kids. Right. Um, well, you know, you just don't jail somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I was really glad when I was moved out. Oh, uh, uh, right, Because okay. I went to a grammar school in the Wirral and I, and I thrived there. Yeah. Oh, um, cool. But I've been down in, you know, these little crossroads that you come along, you know, Different crossroads, totally different paths I would have ended up with um, all the way through my life. I suppose it's the same yeah. with everybody, but that was a good crossroad. Yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, okay, that's good, because sometimes that sort of big move can be quite difficult, especially, we say you're 13 when you moved up yeah, to, uh, yeah. yeah, especially at that age, I suppose, as you're sort of making friends and things, but yeah, uh, it sounds like it was a it, good one. It was, because I'd lost so many of my friends, because they all went to, like, a secondary modern school, mm. and I was the only, I was only one of the few to end up in a, in a, in a higher education, if you call it that. Yeah. Um, and so I lost contact with lots of my friends, so it was, in a way, it gave me a whole new start, and I was, I was lucky. Yeah, yeah, okay, excellent. And, uh, and your, your parents were... Happy up there as well. Yeah, so. yeah, they, yeah. They we're all it was a lovely place as well. Um, when we got there again, it was not so crowded as it, as it was by the time we left, and like it is now. Yeah. Um, so that was a lovely place, and of course, access to the big city of Liverpool that was just, you know, literally a bus ride away. Mm. Uh, was totally different from living in, you know, in in Herne Bay, where you were sixty miles outside London, and even like thirty miles from Canterbury, and we didn't have a car. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but you know, being in in Haswell, you had access to everything you wanted to because Liverpool was a, was a fantastic place. Yeah. And you had Birkenhead there, and you had the the, the sea uh, off New Brighton and everything. So, it, a lovely place. And Chester is down the road. You know. Mm -hmm. the, which is a fantastic cultural place with theatres and everything. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting like, that you said that you know people couldn't afford to buy a house in London back mm. then because we always think of that as a, a kind of modern phenomenon, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah, but you know it's just impossible. Um, I know we, we we went through it. Probably a bit later on when I talked to my father about it when he was looking at how much each of the prices was, and the further you got outside London, the cheaper the price went. You know, same yeah. as it is today. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until Herne Bay came on the, on the, on the, on the train line that the prices right. fell within his grasp. Right. Okay. And even then he got three mortgages. Really? Yeah, yeah, you know, it was um, it wasn't easy, yeah. Yeah, and he yeah. wasn't even low down in the civil service. He was you know, mid grade. Yeah. He still didn't have enough money. So oh, yeah, um, yeah. today, of course, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? But yeah. it, it, at least it was feasible then. 
Mm. These days, I'm not sure it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, you have brothers and sisters? Or? Three sisters, all all older than me. Right, okay. I, I, I was a mistake, I was told through my life. <laughs> um, Ten-year difference between my younger sister and uh, and me. So they got three sisters, and they, you know, one went off to uh, Kenya to do... Um, when they used to send uh, nurses out there, I can't remember the name of it now, but she was a nurse and she went out to Kenya. Um, and um, and they've all you know gone the different ways. One lives on a farm. One one was a school teacher, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and the, the nurse married a vicar, and right. all different lives. And they're all spread around the country. But yeah, yeah. there's two of them up in this neck of the woods, so that's better. Yeah, yeah, cool. So then, um, so so yeah, so you're living in the rural. You're getting on pretty well at school. What uh, what happened at the end of school? What, well. What was your my dad's my dad uh, said you know you're going to get a job and as they used to then and i thought well, i'll do a levels because mm. when i started doing it i thought well i think i'd like to be an ecologist you know because right. the, the whole environment thing fascinated me then and still fascinates fascinates me today yeah but um I, I thought i'd do that but even though i did i got like 11 o levels or something they weren't very good grades and my english wasn't very good because I was one of those really strange. You think that you go through like higher education, if you like, you know what I mean. They pick you up. Uh, when I got to the grammar school in Calding, they totally missed the fact that I was been on a totally different math stream to the one that they were teaching. Oh right. But I should have had extra tuition to, to bring me up to date, and I didn't. Right. And even though they knew me English wasn't very good, they didn't really help me in it to improve it. Right. Okay. So yeah. I didn't have good English skills until I was much later in life. And I gained those as good as they are, whatever. Um, but um, I decided to do the uh, sixth form, but I went into that, and they were teaching. Um, all the good, all the good teachers tend to tend tended in that school anyway to be teaching the lower ages. Mm-hmm. So when you got to sixth form, we didn't need teaching; you were just there to receive information. You know, you were, mm-hmm. you didn't have to be encouraged because otherwise you wouldn't be there. That was right, the, okay. the idea. Yeah, and I didn't like any of the teachers I was getting, and I right. didn't like the subject, so I thought, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave and get a job. Yeah, yeah. so I went to be a shipping clerk in in Liverpool. Oh, okay, um, and um, that was interesting. You know, first job. Um, but uh, oh, I didn't think it was me really. So what, so, what, what, what's involved with uh, being shipping, a shipping clerk? clerk? Well, yeah. this was in the days like you're looking at like 1974. Okay. Right? Yeah. So computers weren't around. Yeah. And uh, they used a huge uh, thing called a comptometer that you may have seen in a museum. Right. It resembles a huge. Um, uh, it's a huge calculator. But it is worked on mechanical means. So you set dials and you pull a huge lever, and that does all the calculating for you. It's like an oh, okay. abacus on steroids, really. Right. Um, and that's what all the accounting was done on in those okay. days, and then tra- pa- transferred painstakingly to paper. Right. So you had huge ledgers that you see, like you know Oliver Twist and that. That was <laughs> that was how it was in 1974. Yeah. Um, so I worked in the accounts department there, um, and then they transferred me to an. Um, another section inside of it a smaller team that was to do more like with shipping movements because it was right. obviously a shipping company to see what was being shipped out from one country to another and it was interesting but it still didn't really you know grab me so i managed to get myself a very interesting job in the press release of the pr section of, Ca- of the liverpool city council okay and i had right. a good few months in there and i really enjoyed myself met ken dodd you right know? um <laughs> maybe that's where i get my uh tickling stick <laughs> you know fixation with um met ken dodd and they could have the liverpool show probably still do it now when right. and that was uh, we used to you know participate in that 
I got promoted out of that, but that was a bit of a bad thing. I got promoted to a head filing clerk in the <laughs> in the uh, um, what they call architects department, which is a really boring job. Right, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't you know, really boring job. It doesn't sound that. Uh, um, so I, I didn't stay there for very long. Um, decided to try the world of commerce again, and went to work in the Industrial Bank of Scotland in Bromborough, which is on the you know they're not on the Liverpool side of the of the Mersey. Mm-hmm. And I was there, um, for, you know, for a few years. Um, and there you were, you know, credit control. So you were reminding people of their payments and everything. And that was interesting enough. And they, they told me they did a good job. But um, I wanted higher things. Oh, you're young, you're, you're ambitious. So, <laughs> and I wanted the company car. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I applied for a job in the um, sales department of the local newspaper, the Birkenhead News. It wasn't right. called that. It was called the Wirral Advertiser or something. Yeah. Anyway, that was interesting experience that because there was a thousand applicants for this job, and uh, you went into it. I didn't, you know, have really great expectations of winning it, but I go do, do my best. But very interesting because when I went for the interview, you were called into into the you know the interview room, and the chair uh, in the room was by the, the door. So I went in, and the chair was by the door. It wasn't by the desk. Right. So and I went in and I just automatically picked the chair up, put it in front of the desk and sat down and continued with the interview. Yeah. You know, I'd been given some tips by someone who worked for the Liverpool Echo in, in selling and did that. And then I went through, thank you very much. But as I left, he picked the chair up and put it back behind the chair, by the, by, you know, by the door. Right, okay. So it was obviously a test yeah, yeah, to yeah. see whether you were, you know, like not man enough or just that way inclined that you weren't going to stand in front of him <laughs> and you're thinking, oh, what do I do now? There's no chair. Um, so, and I got the job, you know, I got oh. the job. Uh, but again, that probably wasn't a good thing because um, it proved one thing that I just don't, I'm not a salesperson. Right. No. Okay. They wanted me to sell, you know, full page adverts to you know a granny in a sweet shop and things like that, and I just yeah. couldn't do it. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't for me. So, so I, I, um, I said to them, I, they tried to train me, they did, you know, but they knew I'd done well. So they said, um, you know, we keep you on. Just, just keep the patch warm while we get somebody else in. Right. And they kept me on for doing doing virtually nothing for six months. Right. Until I left. Um, and then I was unemployed for a few, only a few weeks before I got into the civil service, following my okay. father's footsteps. Yeah, yeah. But uh, into the uh, into the DHSS, as it was then, you know, in the benefits section in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And again, eye openers galore. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, a, a totally different way of life that these people had. But it was that was interesting. That was fun as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, I've got to, I've got to, you know, want to move on. And computers, this is back in 1984, were starting to rear their heads at that okay. stage. Very, very low level sort of stuff. Yeah. But I said, you know, I want to get into computing. And at that time, I started doing an HNC in computer science um, in the college, and that was that was really interesting. You know, you, you program using cards in those days, you know, stamp cards that you you'd write it down, and then you'd punch a card out, and that was what would be fed into the computer in order to program it. You know, okay. it's yeah, a yeah. totally different things as to what we accept today <laughs> these days. Um, but that's how we did it then, um, and. And because I did that, and because I, you know, had made friends with someone who'd moved into a, a new department that was set up in Buchel, which is like the HQ of the DHSS in, in, the, in the Liverpool area, uh, they were setting up um, um, a LOMP, local office micro project. Okay. Because um, every DHSS was a local office. 
And inside that, they they wanted to put computers for the first time ever. Okay. So this 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 little section was tasked with putting computers out through the, through the entire region. It was a long term job, obviously, but I got into that, and that was fascinating. That was very good. But again, you know, oh, this is going to end. You know, I'm not going to be able to. I'm going to be shipped back to the local office, or I might get into the bigger project, but that was a long way away, and, I, and uh, I, it was dubious I was going to get into that. So I did a very naughty thing, and I wrote directly to the Central Computer and Telecommunication Agency in London, which was right. the, the hub uh, and, and was at one stage all powerful in what computers the government bought for its staff. Okay, it had lost a lot of its teeth by the time I joined. You know, I, I applied, but I applied for it anyway, and they were looking for someone to join an electronic mail section set up called IDEM, which was Interdepartmental Electronic Mail, because they didn't have electronic mail inside the civil service back in 1986. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, know, you can't believe it today, but that was the way it was. <laughs> um, so I applied, and they just were looking for someone, and no one really wanted to go to London because of the, the prices and, and commuting. So I got the job there very easily, and um, so there I was, um, you know, helping with that, and that was fascinating, you know, um, working with electronic mail. The, the project didn't take off, though. The government didn't, the civil service departments didn't want it, would you believe? Um, <laughs> so, as it was, yeah, yeah, you know, can you, can you believe it? But no, it didn't go, it didn't go down well, um, but I enjoyed myself. And, and while I was there, and I thought, well, I'll, I wanted that company car again, you know, so <laughs> I applied to um, uh, an agency and they found someone who wanted a project manager, which I didn't think I was, but they said, oh, you're a project manager. So I went out for this job right. um, in, um, in Redditch, yeah. um, which was, it was, it was Estelle then, now it's a part of AT&T. Um, but they wanted someone to um, help install uh, a network of, of well, the modems and things that allowed travel agents to book holidays because you know back in like this was now this was now 1987 yeah back then you used to go into a travel agent and the, and book your holidays you yeah, yeah, obviously yeah. the internet wasn't around um and they would talk to you and then they'd clatter away on their terminals and those terminals were connected by a piece of wire to the Istel network that then connected to the big mainframes of all the tourist or tour operators and that's how you book your holidays yeah, yeah so they needed to connect the operators with the um with the you know the tourist the, the, the tourist the, tour, the, the holiday firms computers and that's what we were doing so i did that and i was in there and then they transferred me out of that and then i got into um logistics so i was part mm -hmm. of the logistics team and that was fascinating i developed systems to make sure we didn't run out of things that hadn't been put in place before. That was always, people used to be amazed, but I'd say, you want it? Oh, here it is. They go, how do you know I was going to need, need that? Well, the statistics proved you were going to need it, so I got some in. Um, <laughs> and that was good. Um, and, and while I was doing that, I came across the internet because we had an internet awareness day. Right, okay. This is about 1992, 93. Yeah. And it was amazing for people who'd been used to, you know, computers in, in their own way, that you could actually click on things and move around. Like, that wasn't done. <laughs> computers just didn't do that before the internet came along so i said uh, i thought this is good for project information inside the inside the communications group so i wrote a paper to the director and said look we could set this up and we could keep people informed the engineers informed what's going on in the network in three hours i got the go-ahead yeah so because i was in stores we had a, an old you know workstation that, that we could use and you had to buy 
uh, buy a web server software and get someone technical to install it because it wasn't all just come on your computer like it does now. You actually even have to buy, brow buy browsers from Netscape <laughs> at a pound each. So we, we got that, set it all up, and, and, and I, I ran that. And it was, it was, um, it was really a success because everyone right. was using it to find out what the hell was going on. And um, when they couldn't yeah. before. I think uh, I remember my cousin, I think, showed me a website because their, their parents had a business. Mm. Uh, probably around that time, maybe a little later, You're I right. reckon. And I looked at it and went, what's the point of that? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> well, well, no, not at all, because at, at the beginning of it, it, it was like the internet was set up by universities. That was what it was yeah. done for. It was just to transfer information around, you know, for that respect. Yeah. And, and in, indeed, the actual backbone of the internet was created by the Americans because it was a way of them keeping connections between lots and lots of different nodes, like, you know, war centers, in the event of a nuclear attack. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, with uh, the internet, everything that you do is taken into a packet of information. And that shot around the internet, you know, the, all the wires in the most efficient manner. Mm -hmm. So if, a, you know, if one part of the network gets knocked out by whatever means could be a nuclear bomb or someone putting a, you know, a, a tractor shovel through a cable, mm -hmm. then it doesn't stop the data flow the data flow just takes a different route mm -hmm. so that's why it's all bathed these things have got their history but at the time it didn't i'm not sure anybody of us knew it was going to turn into what it turned into <laughs> yeah. but that's how i got into it um okay and then a bit later on I, again i decided i wasn't getting anywhere there so i decided i'd let get myself made redundant right so i could start doing web design so oh, okay. in in 1998 i managed to wangle that um, and, um, to work for yourself at this yeah, stage, well or? yeah that's what I did but it didn't work out too easy because I I, I I was actually going to get a job somewhere else in, in the internet sort of world yeah. that wasn't as easy as I thought I didn't really have all the skills necessary right okay. so I managed to get some more work back with the same company um, on just a contractual basis with data input and all sorts of stuff while I was building my business up mm -hmm. but while I was um, deciding to be an internet designer I found out I wasn't very good at it um, you know, Why I just did Well, the thing is, uh, I think when you're imagine an artist who, who can't paint, yeah. um, and I've got all the the thoughts and the visions in my head, but I couldn't put them together um, okay. in a way that was was any good. So, what the coding side of things, or the sort the of the actual design? design yeah, yeah, like yeah. I've got cartoons in my head, but I can't draw cartoons. It's that sort of problem I had. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I probably wasn't arty arty enough. Um, being honest, I, th I think I thought I was better than I was. But while I was discovering that I wasn't very good at being a web designer, I discovered Google. Right. Um, because we set up a company for a website to do something uh, they won't go into, flat about flowers and weddings and things. Um, but they said, well, are we going to get traffic to it? Which is the thing on the internet, which is, you know, why I ended up where I ended up. Is a website by itself is useless unless mm. people actually see it. No, yeah. it exists. Um, like having a shop on the moon, very good, but no one visits it, you know. Yeah. So um, uh, I found Google AdWords, you know, when the, you know, all those little adverts you see annoying me on Google there. And, and also, at the same time, SEO, which is about getting into the organic listings, which uh, form the rest of the Google screen. Um, and, um, and that's where my whole thing took off, and that was right, back in okay. 2000. Right, okay. And since then, I've been doing it. Early Google days. Mm, yeah, very early <laughs> okay, Google. Only so four years you, old then, yeah. Were you, again, going self-employed at this time? Yes, yeah, um, I decided, okay. yeah. I, because I'd been contracting for the other half of what was then become AT&T, 
you had to have your own limited company because that was okay. the way you, yeah. you did it. You know, anyone who knows about IR35 and all about this. Yeah. <laughs> so I had, and I thought, well, I, I want to do web design as well. So I called my company, The Web is the Way. Because <laughs> I thought, well, the web is the way, you know, there's no two ways about it. And I think I've been proven right, really. Yeah. Um, but that was called The Web is the Way. Um, and I set up uh, a business um, to do that. And that's how I started off. Okay. But I did evolve over time um, to uh, intelligent online marketing. That was my my next. Okay. So, know, yeah, like, I think uh, what always fascinates me about a story like that because you've you've done lots of different jobs and kind of, you know, not got bored of them but realised that they weren't the right <laughs> thing and moved on to something else. Mm. And uh, I always think that's really good um, when people do that because you're sort of, I don't know, recognising that there's something else. And, yeah. You know. Because for myself, I kind of stuck in jobs even though I didn't really like them. And, <laughs> right. You know, yeah. I don't know why, but I always quite th think it's great when people actually do what you've done and, <laughs> you know, said, actually, this isn't for me. Yeah. Going on to the next yeah. thing now until sure. you've, and it looks like you sort of then found your way to yeah, the it, thing that you really like. Well, it, I, I'm, I'm a great believer in, in fate, great believer in fate. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know whether anyone, anyone remembers um, Lawrence of Arabia, mm -hmm. where in it, in it uh, they go across this desert and one of the Arabs falls off his horse and they get to the other end and Lawrence says, where's, where's Fred, you know? And he, says, he fell off in the desert and the, and the chief Arab says, look, you know, it's written, that was his time. He said, no, Lawrence said, no, no, I'm going to go back and save him. And he saves him, he brings him back out. Right. And then two days later, this same Arab Commits a terrible crime, and and Lawrence Arabia has to shoot him as a because he's a soldier. He right. meets Lawrence Arabia, and the big Arab says, "We well, see it was his time; it was written." Mm. You know, and I'm <laughs> I'm very much believer in that big book, and, yeah. and you're just you know going down there, and uh, you make all these these decisions. But I think there's an awful lot about face for me. That's yeah. how I think about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. So then, what what um, the question I I often ask people is especially when they've been employed and you know parents have been employed what made you at that stage think about becoming self-employed because you know it's a different thing it's mm. a much different thing and how mm. did that sort of come into your consciousness as an option mm. and and you know what made you take that that leap well it's, it's a very good question um and i suppose in a way it was forced upon me Right. Because when I got made redundant and I was, I was going to be a web designer uh, and I knew I, I couldn't get a job as a web designer because I wasn't good enough, as I found, right. my initial thing was to set up this company so I could be a contractor. Okay. So you, so you have to be self-employed to yeah. do that. So I was forced down that route. And then, you know, when I got, um, when that, that job finished um, and I was, by then I was like in, in, my, in my 40s, mm. um, anyone who's 40, and above will know how difficult it is to get a job mm. um, and I was difficult to get a job so I had to stay self-employed I didn't really have a, a choice right okay so I stayed self-employed and in a way it's better thing because I'm not really a corporate player right you know? okay. I tend to I do tend to work better by myself yeah, um, yeah. I've got a team but they're they're a distant team yeah. Um, so uh, I, I didn't really fit into corporate life so I was very pleased to be self-employed. Did it worry you getting self-employed? Because you you always had the the monthly pay packet and 
Oh yes, yeah. It's a totally different, totally different ball game. Um, you know, it's a long time ago now for when you were living from hand to mouth. But I was living from from hand to mouth uh, for years. And yeah. in fact, in fact, I I built up a bit of debt right. in the early days from it. Right. That um, that caught up with me in the crash of two thousand and eight. That and other th- things that happened to me in my life that I won't go into um, um, caused me to have to go bankrupt in two thousand and eight. Oh really? So I had to start all over again. That's why we moved right. from Cleveland. I moved from Cleveland Mortimer. But the good things happened from it because um, because of that terrible time and it ended up me getting divorced and everything. Mm. Um, I, I met a girl who I'd gone out with when I was in Liverpool when I was 17. Right. And she found me on the internet, would you believe, on <laughs> Friends Reunited. So we got back together after 34 years. Right. That's the reason why it's called Serendipity Online Marketing, because it was serendipity. Uh, um, I, again, fate, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so yeah, but it did worry me. Um, but, it, it, you know, when you haven't really got a choice, the only thing you can really do is just carry on, you know. It's, uh, there isn't, yeah. sometimes did- there isn't an alternative. Did you kind of? How did you sort of cope, sort of day to day, with that worry? And did it did it get better as the time went on? Did you get used to the kind of peaks and troughs of the the income levels? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm 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 quite good when it comes to worry. Um, because <laughs> good at worrying or good at good at dealing with it. Off? Good at dealing with yeah, it. Yeah. Because I always uh, believe in the. Um, uh, the idea that if you can't solve something or if you're doing something all that you can to solve something, then you're doing your best to stop worrying about it. Okay. Like you know? it. Yeah. Um, because, you know, sometimes you can't fix a problem, so mm. stop worrying about it, you know. Um, and so I just don't let it worry me. I, I, I acknowledge it, put it on a shelf and say, yes, I know you're there, but you're not going to bother me. Okay. And And that's how I deal with most things that do worry me, but they, they, they're classified, acknowledged and put on the shelf. <laughs> but even when you're sort of building up the debt and, you know, to get through oh, those... Well. well, that's a worry that I acknowledged and saw and a very big problem on the shelf, but I was yeah. coping with it. Even even up to the, um, like many businesses uh, who got clobbered, because a lot of my, well, over half of my customers disappeared overnight in 2008. Mm. For all the sorts of reasons that we realise now when we got look back at that terrible time, yeah, um, and the cash flow was there, so the debt didn't matter. Mm-hmm. That's the problem with any business that f- that fails because of debt. They don't fail because of the debt; they fail because they haven't got the cash flow to feed the debt anymore. Mm-hmm. That's why mm-hmm. whole countries go bankrupt, isn't it? And they stop yeah. paying their money to the IMF. You yeah. know, in effect, they they've they've gone bankrupt. Um, so I was fine until that happened when the money stopped coming in and then right. I couldn't feed the debt. Right, okay, okay. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to dwell on that time too much because it sounds like it was pretty pretty intense, but, like, going bankrupt and everything, how, how, how do you deal with that? Or what can you... Maybe we can put a positive spin on it and, you know, yeah. what did you learn from that time? Well, I, I learned that it's, um, at least then, it was relatively easy, quite honest with you. You know, you, right. you at that, that stage, it's, it's, they made it harder now because too many people were, were using the, that route to get out of their debt problem. Which mm. I, you know, I don't, um, I don't look at it as a, any time of glory. I look at it mm. as a, you know, there was no other way mm. uh, at the time. Um, but no, it was, it was very traumatic. Yeah. Um, you know, going there and, and talking to the civil servants, you yeah. know, in, in the insolvency service and telling them and, and having to supply you details and all you... It was it was very traumatic. And I, mm. I don't wish it on anybody. 
you know. Um, mm. But, you know, it happens to too many people uh, one way or another, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but no, very traumatic. And it, it really, it did cost me trauma-wise. Uh, I, I had, um, I was in hospital twice, literally only for, only for a day mm. because of it, because I had terrible stress headaches that literally floored me. I was on the ground, you know, right. and I didn't care what happened to me. It was that the pain was that bad. So I had that uh, when I basically couldn't deal with it anymore. Right. Um, but after that, I, I, I took a year, a year to recover. And I don't really remember much about that year. I was on really? low, low level dep- antidepressants because I needed someone to help me. And yeah, 2009 is pretty much a blank year. For really, yeah. Very little. Were you doing anything work-wise? Or? Yes, I was, I was still working then because I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd restarted the business up under the name of Serendipity Online Market because it wasn't my business then because I couldn't run a business being a bankrupt. Mm-hmm. So luckily, this person I met, uh, Sheila, she can be back in back in my life again after that time. She she owned the business, and I was an employee. Okay. <laughs> Funnily enough, you know. Right. But I was doing all the work. You're allowed to do that. You just can't. You can't direct a company as a bankrupt. But gotcha. you can you can work a company for know. a certain Some, amount of time. Or? Well, no, it's, it's uh, you you uh, until you're you're um, released, which takes a year. Okay. And then you're released and you can do what you like then. Gotcha. Um, but of course you don't like, you can't have a bank account and all this sort of stuff. It's all very, very traumatic. Don't wish it on anybody. Mm. But you know, I was, uh, I got through it, mm. but it did cost me. It did cost me a lot. And it took me some time to build the business up again. Um, another, another two years to get it working again from, from starting, you know, not quite from scratch, but not far off it because I've lost so many clients. So that, that time from, you know, when you went bankrupt and it all mm. collapsed and everything. Mm. I know you, you possibly can't remember that much of it, but how did you sort of pick yourself up, though? I mean, because was, was there a moment that, or was this when you met Sheila and that kind of turned things around? Or was it kind of, was there a moment when you said, right, I've got to the bottom here now. I've got to start <laughs> again. Well, yeah, in a way, I, I had I had reached that bottom, but, um, that, you know, that place. But I, I, I don't give up. Um, right. I'm not a last round, last man person. You know, when I know defeat is definitely on the cards, there's no way forwards, then I, w- I will surrender. Yeah. yeah. But if there's a slightest chance, I always say, yeah. if, if you can see a candle <laughs> in the darkness, <laughs> then you've got a chance. You know? Yeah. So just keep the candle alive. It's always been, no matter what the pro- person's going through, because I've helped talk to people about their problems. When I was I had staff in AT&T, I used to be someone where they could come and cry on my shoulder and everything like that. So I, I do really empathise with people. I'm, an, I'm, I'm empathetic rather than pathetic. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I do feel yeah. uh, people's pains and, and that can be its own problems, of course. Uh, but no, because I've, I managed to keep the, the, the hope going, I, mm. I didn't give up. But it was, it was a struggle. And as I say, for a year, I don't remember a lot about it. Um, uh, and I it definitely physically cost me. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge, isn't it? Like not giving up. That's what I've come to learn over the last few years of you know my sort of journey into starting a business. Is is you've just got to persist, haven't you? And uh, yeah, those who persist and 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 don't give up, like you say, generally get through. <laughs> well, Winston Churchill was one of my heroes and I, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's something like, you're only defeated when you believe you are. Mm-hmm. Something like that. You know, until then, you're, you're never beaten. You're never beaten until you, until you believe you're beaten. So as long as yeah. you can say, no, no, I'm not beaten, not yet, and try something else, then 
then you know you've got so you got. I think it's important to have an aim. You know, even if the aim is just to bring enough money in to the to, to pay the bills, mm. and you have an aim and it's an achievable aim. Mm. If you're fight, if you're fighting against unachievable aims all the time, eventually everyone gets worn, worn down. There's no doubt about mm. it. Mm. So have, have a goal that you're. Uh, yeah, you've got to have something. For. Yeah, yeah. You've got to have something. Something achievable, in my view. Yeah. Um, uh, um, but you do have to have. That, and then you have to have the steadfastness to keep on. You know, you, you mm. can't you can't give you can't give up. Yeah. It doesn't mean to say you've got to be mean and nasty, you know, no, and, no. And, and and put yourself above everyone else, which is something I disagree with. You know, everyone you should be everyone deserves to be treated fairly. You know, from the, from the queen to the tea lady. You know, mm. everyone deserves respect. Mm. Um, so you can't you can't you know do others down in order to achieve your aim. I wouldn't, I'd never do that, never do that. No, no, of course, but that, yeah, but like you say, that's, you don't have to be like that in order no. to persist and, and, you know, keep keep following that glimmer of hope, that candle. No, you, you don't, and when and when you're working, like in my, my trade of SEO, as you mentioned when we started it, there's an awful lot of charlatans out there mm. who would be quite happy to take money and run off with this. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, and you know, part of the problem of being in my profession, uh, those people exist. But you know, the fact I'd never do that because mm. you know I would never do anything that would harm a customer. Mm. It, it, again, gives me a, a good feeling. Mm. Mm. So you're really sort of one of the like original SEO, <laughs> original gangsters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I started That's off. That's probably not the right term for an well, SEO person. <laughs> well, no, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Then? I do, I do. You know, I, I am amongst the the, the 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 oldest in the profession. You know, yeah. um, but there are others who've been more successful than me. Like you've only got a, is it Neil Patel? Um, on you know, go on. The, he's a you know a young uh, a young chap, and there's lots of others who've made an awful lot of money out of it. Um, but I've never been an exceptionally good businessman, really, because I, I, you know, right. I won't. I, I, I don't go through the sale course. I don't try and screw the last bit of money out of people, and and these people have been very good uh, at building empires, and I'm just not. I'm not that sort of person, an empire builder. Right. Okay. So I haven't been as successful as those, even though I've probably got as much experience as they've got in many cases. Yeah, yeah. What's your favourite part of running your business? Then? Being my own boss. Yeah. You know, uh, although I'm, I'm a terrible boss because I don't give myself any time off. You know, <laughs> um, I, I'm taking a few days off uh, next week, um, but I don't give myself much time off. And if the sun's shining, where other people say, "Oh, we are self-employed," put the pen down, go and sit in the garden, and I don't do it. Right. Um, Why is that? Well, uh, because it, it, to a degree, it's it can be the the, the the thin end of the wedge. You know, when you start giving in to things like that all the time mm. you end up not doing any work mm. a lot of people find it very hard to work from home and the, mm. through the pandemic especially uh, because they they had all these um uh these things that, that were distracting them like the fridge the television the garden you know <laughs> the wife the dog the kids you know all those sorts of things uh, and suddenly you're not working you're doing something else um and you know when you're and when you're not working as a self-employed person, there's no money coming through the door. There's no, yeah, yeah. you know, it's not like if you sit down and, and twiddle your thumbs and you're employed by someone and no one notices, you're about half hour uh, twiddling thumbs and I'm still getting paid for it. That don't work when you're self-employed. That's interesting because I, like, you know, as our current sort of business model is, you know, we do an individual project, if that's a video or, or a photography project, and we get paid for that and then we have to go out and find the next one. So we're, mm. you know, we're working like that. I'm I'm currently putting something together that's going to be a sort of monthly 
subscription offer, mm. which I'm hoping. Yeah. So when I look at you, I think, wow, you've got a monthly subscription model. Yeah. That must be fantastic. You can take a few days off and not worry about <laughs> the income because you know that yes. those monthly payments are going to come through. Well, yeah, yes, that's true. Um, the trouble is, you know, because they're paying me some money, it means I've got to do some work for it. <laughs> so even though the money's, if you like, you know, guaranteed, um, it doesn't. The, 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 I also am guaranteed to have to do the work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yes, it's got its good points. Um, and yeah. I think having a subscription model in whatever you do, you know, even if your subscription model is I sell baked beans, I know they're going to come back and buy some more baked beans next month. <laughs> you know, it's still a subscription model, isn't it, really? You think <laughs> yeah, about I it. Suppose, yeah. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, I think a subscription model, some sort of uh, re- recurring income, isn't it, is, is a yeah, term, yeah. Is, is, a, is, a, is a must for any business if, if, you, can, if you can do it. Mm. In my case, I, it's one of the things that is necessary for what I do. They have to be doing something, uh, the customer has to be doing something actively for a, a, at least a certain period of time before it works. Yeah. So so you get things restarted 2009-ish, 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about, you know, how the business has developed in the sort of 12, 12, 13 years since then. Yes, it's amazing, isn't it? If you look back at uh, sort of uh, uh, being 65 now and you start looking back at, at your life and you think, gosh, that's an awful long time. And yeah, yeah, it's it has developed. Um, the internet, the rules continually change for a start. Mm. Um, so you've obviously got to keep that in mind with with, with your job. Um, the core, the core factors are actually the same as they've always been, but the the outsides alter and this rule that changes and whatever. But uh, when it came to the the model, how did I, you know, what was my marketing model? Because every business. You know, the question is, how do they speak to Mr. Customer? How do they get to Mr. or Mrs. Customer or whatever mm. prefix you want to use for that? How do they speak to the customer? And which is always, you know, an interesting one. Like, obviously, with SEO, you could say, well, you'll get found on the web, won't you, for what you do? Well, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sound idea, but you're in the most competitive marketplace there is, is yeah. SEO, because everyone out there trying... And I decided at the very beginning that I would rather use a different model, which would find agencies to work through people okay. who didn't want to do it. So I built my um, my marketing on finding agencies who didn't want to do the work, web designers who created design but didn't want to do the SEO side of things. Okay. Um, and so I built up through networking, 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 a list of you know people I work with, and they, they've changed over the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that model's never changed, you know. Um, right. I, I did drop out of networking for a, a good few years because I was so busy I didn't need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, things changed, lost a, a couple of big customers, customers you should, should probably never have been using me in the first place because they were so massive, um, but they were. And then suddenly realised, oh dear, you know, right. I better do something, otherwise, you know, the income's going to stop. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then I upped the networking again, and and that's why you see me waving my tickle stick uh, about. <laughs> yeah, which you mentioned in the uh, the intro, and probably uh, yeah, worth worth talking about. That's a marketing thing. Yeah, end of the uh, day. Um, I, I I go. Um, an interesting thing about myself in that I class myself as an eccentric. 
You know, okay. I'm not you, 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 you bogs down the person if, if such a thing exists. <laughs> Although my brother-in-law told me, he said, no, no, only rich people are eccentrics. You're poor, therefore you're mad. I said, fair enough. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm, 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 I'm mad and I'm quite happy with that. Um, but one of the things that uh, I, I like to be is memorable. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> one of those faces that people never forget. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but that and, and waving my props around and the, the tickling stick, you know, in, in from, from, a, from Ken Dodd, where he's actually a present. It's a, it's a keyboard duster that my sister bought back for me from South Africa. Yeah. And, and I just, you know, started waving it about one day, thinking, what's well, a good idea? Um, and now, of course, if anyone asks me, I think, well, seriously, I think this, 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 this feather duster here is to clear all the electronic dust off websites so I can see what the hell's going on. <laughs> um, you know, which is, you know, one way of, of uh, saying, well, it's a good reason for you waving it about. Um, but yeah, I just like to have props. I use all sorts of props when I'm, when I'm talking on the basis that someone is going to remember me, um, mm. hopefully in a good way. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, we, we were talking just before we started recording about you know the fact that it's probably better if you don't appeal to everyone anyway so be yourself and you know uh, and the people that like you will like you and that's all you need isn't yeah it? no, it's, it's interesting that because um anyone who you know who's listened to the web and podcasts and all sorts of stuff will talk hear about people with nlp when you're tuning yourself into someone's method of delivery or disc profiles whether you know you talk to someone who's very direct or whether you start talking about the weather first and everything um and you 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 change your persona to fix to fit the persona they're the comedians and some of the best salespeople are comedians because they will just change the way that they talk and their body language, everything to fit with what the other person wants, mm -hmm. and, and, and I don't. You no. know, I'm 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 Graham, or <clears throat> when I'm in, you know with my my latest persona, uh, then I'm that person, um, and that's the way I prefer to keep it. I don't want yeah. to be seen as someone who shapeshifts. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, the right way to go because, I said, like, you, yeah, you appeal to some people mm. you won't appeal to other people no. and that but that's fine isn't it because yep. the ones that you appeal to actually appeal to you as a person and so yeah so is this this sort of persona thing <laughs> has that always been a, a thing or is that more recent uh, um yeah idea? No, it is recent yeah the, the the when i started networking again and of course i started networking again just as the pandemic hit yeah so it was a good time to start networking, really, because um, everyone was Zooming, you know, it was anyway yeah. there. And uh, and it was easy to wave a tickling stick around. It's not quite so easy to wave a tickling stick around at a bulb club meeting and things like that. But on the <laughs> Zoom, you know, it's dead easy to do. So that was, um, but that wasn't really uh, an, an additional persona. That was just an addition to, to me, you know. Yeah. But my latest persona, the one that I've just changed, I'm just using now, the picture that you've used in the in the heading of the podcast, is is a is a is a, is a totally different thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, tell us about that then. Well, <laughs> um, the the reason um, for, for for his existence is that when I when I do my SEO work, which search engine optimization, basically getting Google to like the site so it lists it for the appropriate terms. Um, the first thing I always have to do is, is look at a website to see mm -hmm. what state is it, 
you know, mm-hmm. what is stop it work, stopping it working? Because there is something, because mm. it's, uh, you know, you're dealing with science in a way, computer algorithms and everything. It's not something that is, you can't literally stick a finger out and say, that is the problem. Mm. So um, the first thing I have to do is, is dissemble a website using various tools. And when I do this, I, I always, I always find them 99% of them as in, in what I call a state of general disarray. Right, okay. So I'm thinking about this and hang on a minute, you know, you could have a character called general disarray. Yeah. You know, dis hyphen array, you know, um, just as a laugh, really. Um, so I decided I was going to create him. <laughs> um, so, you know, I got, a, got a, a Second World War army hat, proper army hat, and some. Uh, some some stuff off of eBay for a, for a duck battle dress, and I bought myself um, uh, a, a, a swagger stick. Um, they're the, they're the, the brown poles that you see officers and sergeant majors Just, having yeah, under, yeah. Their, under their um, their shield. They're, they've actually got a bit of a history. The swagger stick actually is a representation of the vine sticks that Roman centurions used to have. Oh, right. It was their emblem of authority and what they okay. used to use to beat their um, subordinates with. Um, but it devolved into this brown stick um, in the in the army. But I, of course, in in my um, Homage to another of people that I remember well is Morecambe and Wise. Mm-hmm. And then if we remember Morecambe and Wise, the Morecambe would often have silly props with him. Uh, when he was doing his Dance in the Rain skits, he had a huge sketch, he had a huge, huge dancing stick that got bigger and bigger through the sketch. But I, I decided to go for a bigger swagger stick, so I ended that one you know, with a gold head and twice as long as it should be. <laughs> Um, brown leather gloves and everything, but you know he he came about because you know basically this this chap this general disarray has been called in to head the SEO section of uh, Serendipity Online Marketing, okay. you know to to whip websites into shape and get them fighting fit so they can win uh, the rankings that uh, that their their owner the business person. Um, wants them to guess because gotcha. you know we're back to the point where if you've got a website that's sitting there and no one's visiting it then what's the point yeah, yeah. Um, and so many websites do that now if, to be fair some websites are designed that way they're a brochure website when yeah. you know when you meet someone down the pub or whatever you hand them a business card and they check it out to see whether they want to do business with you mm-hmm. um, and that's what they're there for and that's fine mm-hmm. but if you want a website to actively seek business for you then it's got to be found where people look for it mm-hmm. um, so you know this is when you need to, to whip the website into, into, into shape and I, I talk about people joining a general disarray's army you know, to get their website working properly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, he, he came out for the first time yesterday um, at the Hereford Means Business uh, exhibition, and he, and he went down a treat. Yeah. Um, together with the fact I used a totally different sort of display, um, like you know, everyone's been to exhibitions, and most of them look all the same. We've got a banner behind and a few pamphlets on the desk, and that's <laughs> it. Maybe a, the odd thing to do, but mine, mine was very uh. different. <laughs> Because uh, I, my hobby is wargaming, you know, right, um, okay. little plastic men and, and plastic tanks. You move around there and roll dice and have a bit of fun. You know, it's all very yeah. lighthearted. Um, so I thought, well, you know, this is uh, taking the general disarray thing a bit further. Um, getting, getting found on, on Google is very much like a military operation. Mm-hmm. I call it Operation Get Traffic. Mm. Because the first thing you have to do... Um, you know, is you have to find out what's wrong with the website. 
Yeah. So I talk about the medical team going out there and you know giving the uh, the website a good one. So funny. Well, why aren't why aren't you fit, soldier? You know why yeah, aren't yeah. you aren't you working? <laughs> and then once she works out what's wrong with it, then you get a technical team in who go there and fix bits and pieces, or at least to help the web designer because I don't do website design fix the bits and pieces because you can make all sorts of mistakes from a Google perspective um, that will stop Google liking it and yeah. that's no good. So I, you know, technical team fixes it. Um, but of course the next biggest question is that you've then got to find out, well, what do you want to be found for? You know, yes. what phrase is going to bring in the business so that, you know, your business can thrive yeah. and grow. Um, and when you talk about SEO, that means you've got to find out the keywords, what, you know, what people type into Google. And that phase is called keyword research. Mm -hmm. So, of course, in military terms, you've got a reconnaissance section out there, beavering around, looking around to see what people are typing in. Yeah. There you are. So you've got, you're getting down the, the, the line now. <laughs> but that tells you what you only found for. You fix the website. But is that enough? And it isn't. Because Google needs to be, you know, told that the website exists. For me, the S in, in search engine optimization is more signpost. Signpost to Google and there are other ways you use signposting so that people can find the website and their way around it once they get there. Yeah. So uh, so you use, for in SAO terms, links, because links mm -hmm. are signposts from one website to another. They have to build the right links in the right sort of way, all sorts of things you can do wrong. Um, but if you do it the right way, then Google will see the website exists and they believe in it, which is very important because Google uses uh, links as a trust factor. If you don't have enough links, then they don't trust you. Mm -hmm. So um, you need to have enough, and that number varies depending upon the marketplace. But even that isn't enough because so Google's found you and they believe in you, but do they actually like what you've written? You know, because at the end of the day, a website is words, pictures, of course, videos, mm -hmm. and sort of things you produce. Mm -hmm. But uh, there are words, and, mm -hmm. and Google has to believe in the content. Mm -hmm. So you have to write the right sort of concept, which doesn't mean using the same old words over and over again. Those days of what they term keyword stuffing are well, well dead. Now you now have to write intelligence, useful, informative, educational, you name it. Yeah. Humorous copy, depending on what you're trying to do, so that Google believes that it's worth listing that web page. Mm -hmm. You know, people think, build a website, put it on, Google and they'll like it. Well, no, does it really deserve a good position? You know, yeah. sometimes the, the website owner isn't in a position to ask that because it's their baby, you know. Mm. Um, but you do need a, you know, a third party such as what I can say, well, no, it isn't. Technically, mm. I can show you why. Mm. So then you have to create the good content. And once you've done that full battle plan, of you know finding out what's wrong fixing it technically finding out what you want to be found for telling google the site exists and then creating the right content then you know you have a perfect system for increasing traffic and it works in 99 percent of the time the odd time for reasons i couldn't tell you and you know i've asked the gurus who live in america why isn't this working they go i don't know it's one of those things yeah you know but 99 out of 100 it works to one level or another right yeah yeah Unfortunately, it doesn't stop there and that you may have to continue building more trust links over time mm -hmm. for Google to um, continually believe in the site. Mm -hmm. But this is where, they, because it's a sort of a military operation, you know, uh, using a character like General Disarray and showing that whole process in a different way. Well, it certainly took the eye yesterday from people. Yeah, I can see, I can see why, really, because now you've explained that whole thing to me, I can... It, it, 
I can see how it works. Like I, I can understand it a lot more from <laughs> what you've said about the different sections going out and doing yeah. these bits compared to someone just saying, "Yeah, first we do a, you know, we do a mm. keyword research, and then we do this, and then we do that." Mm. I can, in my mind, yeah, because I think I'm quite visual. Yes. I can sort of see those sections going oh, yeah, out de- and definitely visual in your trade. Doing, yeah, yeah, I can sort of see yeah. see those sections going it, out and doing it, that. It, but. it does help because everyone learns in different ways. You know, at yeah. the start. But, um, you know, I had an art teacher yesterday, family, that came to my show, and she said, yes, brilliant, this. He really, you know, the whole thing falls together. I understand it. And that, and that is um, uh, an important uh, thing to me. Like, you know, in the in the, in the meetings that you've run in the past, you've been questioned, like, you know, why do you do, what's your why? You know, you mm. asked that question. And, you know, I've always thought, well, the biggest why for me is to earn money, basically, so I can eat. eat. But yeah. apart from that, um, that basic why, um, uh, my why is to is to remove the smoke and mirrors that some try to shroud the SEO industry in. I don't know, yeah. apart from, you know, trying to make more money out of people, uh, I don't see the purpose for it. But yeah. I like to blow it all away mm. and exactly lay it down. And I'm lucky enough, I think, to be able to, you know, put that across in a way Then I've never had anyone, uh, when I've gone through you know, the, the what's wrong with their website and explain the whole process, they've, they've always said, you know, you're the first person who's explained it to me in a way that I can understand it. Yeah. And now I see why you why you're saying we need to do X, Y, and Z, and it's brilliant. And when do we start? You know, and and that's <laughs> happens an awful lot. So I'm, right, I'm really yeah. I'm really pleased I have that ability, and that I'm, you know, trying to um, change the, the the image of the SEO industry from one where you know you get phone, all these phone calls saying I'll get you number one on Google all the time. Mm-hmm. That every business gets showered with these emails and phone calls. And whilst not all of them uh, are bad news, a lot of them are. Um, mm. And and they won't tell you what they've done and why they're doing it. And I'm totally the opposite. Yeah, yeah, I like it, I like it. And I think um, the other part of uh, of it, and I, I don't know, maybe I've missed this in your marketing, but is your like history of it and how long you've been doing it for? Because uh, <laughs> I have to admit, I didn't realise that it went back to sort of, what, 97 or 2000? Well, 93 is when I got involved with the internet, but the yeah. this job was 2000. Yeah. Know, started started my own boss as a, as a SEO industry in 2000. Yeah. yeah so 20, yeah. 22 years um, uh, when you've seen an awful, awful lot of changes um, yeah. in there. Although I would say the, the core things of, you know, a good usable website, um, a good copy and enough links to make Google Google trust you. Another analogy I, I use about SEO, just because I think it's another way of putting it to people, might mm. want to think of it a different way. If you can imagine uh, an ancient Greek temple, they have those big heavy roofs, they're made of stone, don't they? And and holding those, those, those big heavy roofs up are columns. Mm-hmm. And you've got three columns in SEO. You've got the, the first column, which is all about the website itself. Is it easy to use? Is it, is it fast? Because Google are very keen on fast websites now. Right. Technical things like core web vitals crawl into the conversation when you get into that area. Um, but you've got to have a strong column holding that roof up there. And mm-hmm. then in the middle, you've got the content. Is the content strong enough to hold that heavy roof up? Mm-hmm. And the third column is that of the links. Is the links strong enough to mm-hmm. hold? Mm-hmm. The, the comp, that roof up. If either of those columns is weak, the roof will collapse. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, bang goes your, the belief in your website by Google. And, yeah. and therefore, bang goes your traffic and your ability to make money from it. 
Gotcha. So that's another analogy I use. But yeah, it is it is buried in my website, you know, about Graham. It says, yeah. you know, I started working. But how many people are going to read that, really? They're not really interested in me. They're interested in what I can do for them, you know, when yeah, it comes true. down to the end Results. of the day. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just can I just ask a, a question for my own uh, benefit? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, is Google listening to videos and what people are talking about in videos on their website and using that? Uh, as SEO. Well, interesting on videos. I don't believe at the moment Google actually can pick out the words on videos. You know, right. not on, not uh, you know, from the actual video itself. Um, they do, however, m it, uh, give points for having the video on the website, uh, especially if you actually use YouTube to host it. You know, and embed it. Um, although that isn't the best sources. You know, the, there are better video playing sources than YouTube, but you do get a a bonus for me betting it because Google owns YouTube. So, I was going to say, yes, they'd rather it was on they'd YouTube than Vimeo. YouTube, would they? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but there's all sorts of reasons why you shouldn't do that advertising and all sorts of other things that creep yeah. into it. Um, but yes, you get, a, you get a point for that. But in order to get the best out of a, um, from an SEO perspective, then you would, you would actually have um, the word spoken, the script, you know, underneath the video. Okay. Um, yeah. um, even if it was um, in a in a in a hidden box, you know, you've seen those boxes on Google or websites where you click a button and a whole lot of text appears. Yeah. Now that that is not actually illegally hidden text. Yeah. That is text that is activated by user action, so Google will accept it. Gotcha. So you don't have to, you know, um, destroy the look and feel of your video with all these words underneath it. Mm. But at the same time, on that same web page, because every page. Every page fights its own individual battle for listings. It gets mm. support, in, again, in military terms, from all the other pages in the website and the, and the authority that the domain gets from links. But in the end of the day, every page fights its own lonely battle. Right. Okay. So if you put all the words on that uh, underneath that video, then you get a bonus. But there's other things that you get from having a video on a page in that it increases the amount of time someone spends on the page because mm. they're looking at the video. Mm -hmm. In technical terms, this is called dwell time. Mm -hmm. And Google, being an all-seeing beastie, especially if you're using Chrome as your browser, can actually you know, look at how long people stay on pages. Mm. And the longer you stay on a page, the more interesting um, Google perceives the page to be, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, putting a video on a page and getting someone to stay on it longer is going to be a, a, an SEO influencer in a positive way. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool. Well, we've smashed through an hour of conversation there. Wow, that's been really fast. Would you believe? Yeah, um, I wouldn't know. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I just want to say again, thank you very much for, uh, for coming in. And people should head over to serendipityonlinemarketing.co.uk or S-O-M-L-T-D. Yeah there's, there's, yeah, there's hyphens in the middle of the serendipity online marketing, you know, which is why... Oh, is there? Right, yeah, yeah, which is why somltd.co.uk is far easier to That's get to. That's a better one, yeah. But, okay. you know, but thank you. It's been fascinating. Um, uh, thank you for the, uh, the opportunity. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks, Graham. You've been listening to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. You can find links to all the episodes and show notes over at danbarkerstudios.com forward slash podcast. If you've enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show and connect more people in the region. Thank you very much for your time listening. I hope you've enjoyed it and we'll see you next time.